the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm your host today, Brendan Glasheen. Today is our annual NFL Breakout Candidates episode with Action Network alum. He's a friend of the podcast, NFL expert at Fantasy Life, Matthew Friedman. We also have our own Chris Raybon joining today's episode. We're highlighting a handful of under-the-radar players as we look to identify a few guys who could see dramatic increases in performance this coming NFL season. It's right around the corner. It's here. Preseason football started up last week, so we're excited to have Friedman here and Raybon to chime in as well. Let's dive right in. We're going to go player by player. It turns out this first breakout candidate, Friedman, is at the quarterback position. Why don't you tell us who your first breakout candidate for 2023 is? Yeah, I'm cheating because this guy isn't under the radar, but I'm saying Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback for the Dolphins. And how I'm framing the breakout is that everyone knows that he was like good last year, but they sort of like contextualize it like, oh, he was good, but dot, dot, dot. It had to do with the wide receivers. It had to do with the offensive system. Uh, he you know, didn't play the full season. He might retire. So there's all this contextualization around him. And I think people don't fully appreciate like Tua was awesome. He actually had like an MVP-esque type of season last year. Like if you actually just look at all of the MVPs who've won the award in the past decade, all quarterbacks, you look at Aaron Rodgers three times, Patrick Mahomes twice, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Peyton Manning, and then the two runners, Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton. What all of those guys have in common is that either they are, uh, I would say like paradigm shifting runners at the quarterback position or they are highly efficient when they win the MVP and efficient in one of two metrics, uh, like two nerdy metrics, adjusted yards per attempt or uh, the composite of expected points added and completion percentage over expectation. Every MVP winner, uh, with the exception of, of Jackson and Cam Newton, who are kind of their own different thing, all of those guys were number one or number two in one of those metrics. And last year, Tua was top two in both of those metrics just like Patrick Mahomes. Now, like, obviously, there are different types of quarterbacks, but I don't think people fully appreciate how awesome Tua is. And he's still available at 22 to 1 in the MVP market. But people just don't give him the respect he deserves. I, I kind of don't know why. He was awesome at Alabama. He was the number five pick in the draft uh, three years ago. Like, people should be talking about him in that, like, Burrow, Herbert type of conversation. But they're not. Uh, and I think this is the year that he elevates himself into that tier. All right. Health, of course, matters. Last year, tossed 3,600 yards. His passing yards prop is set at 3,800 and a half over at FanDuel. And to your point, you got to shop around here. MVP odds at FanDuel down to 16 to 1. So that number has uh, dropped a little bit for Tua going up against a really talented quarterback pool in the AFC. Raybon, you've got a quarterback as a breakout candidate, but it's over in the other conference. Yeah, and this guy was nowhere near as efficient as Tua last year, but uh, he does kind of fit the mold of what Friedman was talking about with the two guys who have won the MVP at quarterback who weren't, you know, these uber efficient uh, throwers. 
added a lot with their running game and their legs. And that's Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is going to make the jump this year. I think he's going to follow the Josh Allen trajectory, the uh, Jalen Hurts trajectory, because you look at, you know, adding DJ Moore this offseason, but still being able to go now to the second year in the system. So it's not like he's, you know, just getting a new receiver and he has to learn everything else. It's it's really going to be more about kind of shoring up things from last year. I don't think he's going to have to uh, scramble quite as much, but he's still one of the most electric, if not the most electric scramblers in the league anyway. Uh, and when you look at what, okay, how did he struggle? Well, his yards per attempt was right around seven for his career. That's around league average, uh, but his completion percentage is only 60%. But now that you have DJ Moore, Claypool sounds like he's doing well. You got Mooney coming back. Cole Komet has played, played himself into a, a big second contract already. Uh, so, and I think the line is going to be better as well. So you're, you're going to have a lot more pieces in place uh, for Justin Fields this year to really put up big numbers. And I think he's going to kind of be the surprise of people to people that I don't think Justin Fields is going to be uh, in the passing game for Chicago is going to be a net negative anymore. I think you're going to start seeing Justin Fields in that passing game start to win Chicago some games. And I still think their defense is going to be, you know, below average. So he's going to need to, to, um, to show the stuff to, to keep him in games, but they're in a weak division where Green Bay's in transition. Detroit might be a little overhyped and Minnesota was a fraud last year. And, might have gotten worse uh, outside of Brian Flores, who I love. Um, but, uh, you know, just personnel-wise, Minnesota might have gotten worse. So there is a chance that Chicago wins this division and, like, stumble backs into nine or ten wins just because of the the, uh, the playing a last-place schedule and being in a, a weak division. So uh, I think Justin Fields is going to really take that next step this year. Yeah, so, so you expect improvement in the passing game. Do you, do you anticipate the same production on the ground last year, about 1,200 rushing yards and eight touchdowns? Absolutely not. That's a ridiculous outlier, but I still expect he'll be able to to scramble when he needs to. But I think you'll you're going to start to see some of that rushing yardage replaced with pass attempts and dropbacks because we even saw that over the I would say second half of Justin Fields this season. I know it, was, it ended a few games early, but over those first five or six games, you know he was only dropping back to pass. 15, 18 times in some of those games. And over the second half, you started to see those numbers normalize a bit more. Um, the pass attempts didn't grow as high as you might think because of he still had a sack problem. But that's why I say the O-line will be better. And receivers getting open also helps a quarterback take less sacks because the quicker a guy breaks free or the less double, triple clutch a quarterback has to do because nobody's open, the better he can get rid of the ball. So I think you're just going to kind of see all of these factors coalesce. You're going to see better passing numbers. You'll still see rushing efficiency, but if you're seeing 1,200 yards from fields on the ground again, that's probably not going to be a, a fully successful season for, for him to break out. Okay. Thanks for partaking in that follow-up question, Ray. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Always a uh, pleasure. <laughs> uh, Friedman, let's go to your second breakout candidate. This time you're going on defense and the Philadelphia Eagles. They have loved uh, the Georgia program, and you're going to one of their Georgia Bulldogs at linebacker. Yeah, I knew Raybon would come in here with all five offensive players, skill position players. So I felt the need to add some variety to the, the program. That's what I, I bring to the show here. Yeah, Nicobe Dean, uh, if you look at this this uh, Eagles defense, there's been a ton of turnover. Starting at the top, you have a, a new defensive coordinator coming in and Sean Desai replacing Jonathan Gannon. And a lot of turnover on the coaching staff because Gannon took some of those guys with him to Arizona. And you, you look at the spine of that defense, uh, you have – two defensive tackles, two linebackers, two safeties uh, in that spine. Six starters there, five of them are new. Uh, and so you're going to need some sort of stabilizing force in the middle of that defense. And I think that's going to be N'Kobe Dean, right? He didn't play much last year as a rookie, um, but now he's going to get the chance to start 
because uh, there are two departed starters there. Uh, and at Georgia, you know, he entered that program as a five-star recruit. He was there for three seasons, totally balled out there. When he left, he was a unanimous All-American, won the Buckus Award. Uh, I think he's probably, even as a rookie, no worse than average as a middle linebacker. And like there's potential upside there for him just to be awesome right away because he did spend basically that year redshirting, picking up the system. He's strong against the run and in coverage. He was expected to go on the borderline of like, you know, round one, round two, uh, fell to round three because of, you know, size concerns, some injury concerns. But man, I think he was an outright still for, for the Eagles. So I think this is a year where he just absolutely breaks out and uh, ensures that that defense has strong continuity from last year to this year. All right, very good. 13 tackles in 17 games last year for Dean, as Friedman mentioned, didn't get any starts, but uh, a chance for him to unleash. Raybon, as Friedman eloquently said, you are all skill position for this particular episode, and you're going to the running back position. Well, running backs matter to us here at the Action Network podcast. We don't have a group text going about them, but one that could break out sort of an under-the-radar guy is in Minnesota. Okay, first of all, I feel like I'm getting painted badly. when you, Usually when I break down name, games, I'm talking about all kind of random offensive linemen and whatnot. But the, our producer just said, hey, we need five breakout candidates. Like, when you hear that, what do you think? You think fantasy, right? Don't try to paint me into a corner here. You See paint everyone else into a corner on every show you go into. So why don't you give us the running back? <laughs> Very fair. I'm going with Alexander Madison, and this is because we're talking about guys that are going to see a drastic increase in performance. And w- when you have a running back, the first thing you need to do uh, is is get carries. And whether it's by default or because he's playing better, Alexander Madison is going to get carries this year. Uh, you know, the Vikings moved on from Dalvin Cook. And behind Madison, you got Dwayne McBride. You got Kene Wongu, who's more of a – uh, you know, special teamer, return specialist kind of guy. And you got Ty Chandler, who is another guy who played mostly on special teams last year, a second year guy. And then and McBride is a rookie and they're already saying it's, you know, this has been a tough offense to kind of pick up in camp. So he's probably still behind those other two guys. So the way I'm looking at it now is like Dalvin Cook played more than expected last year uh, in Kevin O'Connell's system. Madison kind of cleaned it up this year. I think Matt, it's, it's going to just be kind of you know, they got two Madison on a pretty cheap deal. Um, so I think, you know, these next two years, at least for this one, they're going to run him into the ground uh, if by choice or because he plays well. And he actually has played well uh, in Dalvin Cook's absence. Uh, he's put up big fantasy numbers now on this Viking team. They should, you know, defenses should have to respect uh, the passing game with Jefferson, uh, Hawkinson, Jordan Addison. But what I see from the Vikings this year is that I think their run game is going to be better because they just reinvested and gave a, a, a contract to CJ Ham. They gave a big contract to Josh Oliver, who is going to be their number two tight end, going to be one of the best blocking tight ends uh, in the league. So they're going to be able to kind of force defenses, uh, I think, a little more to come out and defend, you know, those, you know, two, two personnel, those one, two personnel type looks where last year they were more of a straight up, you know, just one, one, you know, three receivers, one back type of team. So because I think they're going to be a little more versatile in their formations with some good uh, blockers at the skill positions this year, I think that's going to improve the efficiency of their running game. So I think Madison uh, will be in for a a pretty big season. Alexander Madison at FanDuel, his season total rushing yards prop is at 900 and a half. Yeah, I would probably take him to go over that, but I wouldn't because running backs never stay healthy. So never bet on a running back over ever, ever. 
Oh, always under minus minus well minus one twelve on the over and the under for oh, yeah, oh, so. that's big big difference minus one ten minus one twelve that was a useless piece of information Glash I'm, I'm disappointed in you Friedman breakout candidate number three <laughs> yeah I just want to uh, echo echo two things one echo Raymond's disappointment in you really but then the the second thing more importantly uh, with Raymond one hundred percent on Alexander Madison uh, dude balled out in his six starts uh, in, in place of Dalvin Cook when he was injured. Uh, 19 and a half carries, four and a half targets. Uh, absolutely 100% with Raybon on that. Uh, the running back I'm looking at here, and, and by the way, so there's been all of this, you know, conversation over the past month or so over the valuation of running backs. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs doesn't want to play for the franchise tag. Uh, you know, he might miss camp. Um, he might miss some games. He might report, but then be out of football shape. Uh, and, you know, running backs suffer injuries anyway. So all that is pointing me to Raiders running back, Zamir White, uh, who I think could end up getting some usage. He's a, a guy who was a rookie last year, came in in the fourth round, but he has phenomenal rec- recruitment pedigree. He was the number one running back in the 2018 recruitment class. He has like an Adrian Peterson-esque physical profile, uh, ran a, a 4-4 second 40-yard dash at 6 feet, 214 pounds. So he's like a big guy. The problem is that he has two repaired ACL tears uh which like long term that might inhibit his ability to stick in the league but in the short term if Josh Jacobs isn't out there like Zamir White's going to get some run because he really is the only guy uh in that Raiders backfield other than Jacobs who's like built like a real lead back uh so he did almost nothing last year but this is basically just a way of saying like I think that Jacobs either because he doesn't report to camp or, or, you know, he's a running back, he gets injured or because he was used so much last year, he had a league high 393 touches last year because of something we end up seeing Zamir White get much more run than people would anticipate. And given his pedigree and what he did at Georgia, I think he could actually do pretty well. So it's a situation where at the end of the year, White will have like a thousand yards from scrimmage and that's great for him, but it will also be like a killer for uh, the running backs matter crowd because uh, it'll be like, well, you know, like people thought Josh Jacobs was important for the Raiders and it turns out maybe he wasn't. And the rest of their room, Amir Abdullah is just a guy who might get a couple targets in the passing game. He's a mini bull moose. And then Brandon Bolden is just there to uh, continue the Patriot way for, for Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas. So uh, unless one of those guys, you know, unless White goes down, maybe Brandon Bolden, who had some weird breakout games with the Patriots a few years ago, maybe he is utilized. I, I, no. I'm, I'm leaning with no right now. Absolutely. I, I it, it, it would probably just be Britton Brown or something. No, seriously, I, I just think uh, Bolden is like your your – stereotypical classic Belichick special team or Belichick McDaniel. Like he's, he's going to stick on the roster. He might not play an offensive snap all year. Taiwan Jones special. Okay. Uh, more, another skill guy from Raybon this time at the receiver position, your third breakout candidate, Raybon. Let's go Drake London. You know, he has all the, you know, he has the first round draft pedigree and he put up a quiet 866 yards, 72 catches, four touchdowns on a pretty, pretty bad passing offense. I don't see how the Falcons passing offense will be any worse this year than it was last year with uh, 15 games of, of Mariota and two game, or was it? Yeah, 15, 13 to 15 games of Mariota, a couple of games of Ritter as a rookie. Uh, I think the passing game will be better. The O-line's great. Uh, and I think Bijan's only going to make this offense tougher to defend. And we saw, you know, the minute London comes in, you know, Kyle Pitts was coming off a thousand, you know, essentially a thousand yard rookie year. Mm -hmm. And he looked invisible once London came. And I know a lot of it, you know, Pitts was getting, uh, 
targets that were uncatchable at points, but London he was playing with the same quarterbacks and he was, you know, a lot more productive even before Pitts went down. So uh, I think that London is going to c- continue to ascend. I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up in a thousand yard season this year. And you know, it's kind of like clockwork. Like most of these highly drafted uh, receivers now, it used to be year three. A lot of times now we're seeing it happen in year two where these guys really take the biggest leaps because you're just getting so much playing time in year one these days and teams are passing so much more. So, uh, you know, I think London is a guy because he's on the Falcons offense, he's getting a little bit forgotten. I know he's kind of floating in those mid twenties and fantasy rankings, but uh, I think this guy showed he was a lot better um, than, than maybe people think uh, for, for a guy like that in this kind of offense. So I'm going with Drake London uh, to, to have a thousand yard season this year. All right, and his total at FanDuel is 800 and a half receiving yards for 2023. Quickly, what, what are your thoughts on Ritter as the quarterback? I don't know if he holds the job all year. I think the jury's still out on him. He might. He's. I don't think he has a super high ceiling. I think he can be better than Mariota was last year, um, yeah. and he, he could still move around a little bit. So, um, for in terms of the fantasy guys' numbers, I think it'll be a little better. But in terms of like real life, just how. Is how much of an improvement is he? I think he's a slight improvement, but I think Heineke is kind of, they're kind of in the same boat. Like they're both never going to be guys. I think you ever rely on long-term, uh, but there's a lot of good pieces on this offense. And Arthur Smith has done less, but more. Let's not forget Arthur Smith is the one who, when Ryan Tannehill comes in, you know, he, he transformed his Titans offense. That was an afterthought to everyone um, into one of the best in the league. So I wouldn't be surprised to see good numbers uh, out of the guys in this offense. And that could include Ritter. Let's go on to our fourth. We're doing five breakout candidates from both Friedman and Raybon. Our fourth uh, Friedman is a guy who I don't think many expected to go to this team early in the draft when it took place earlier in the calendar year, and he's in Seattle. So I'm looking at Seahawks cornerback Tariq Woolen. Um, and uh, I think this defense for the Seahawks is going to be better than it was last year. And I think he could be the face of that improvement. Woolen was a, a 2020 fifth rounder. Uh, he was inconsistent in college in part because he transitioned from wide receiver to cornerback, uh, sort of like Richard Sherman did years before when he was at Stanford. And, you know, like he was a little uneven in college uh, because he was behind the developmental curve. Um, but, you know, Woolen blew up at the combine uh, six foot four. 205 pounds so like built like a wide receiver uh it has unreal speed 4.26 second 40 yard dash so he has the size to man up with any wide receiver in the league and he's got the speed to stick with basically everyone except Tyreek Hill. Uh, and then he absolutely balled out as a rookie with a league high six interceptions on the way to the Pro Bowl. So it's, you know, a little bit hard to say, like, oh, a guy who made the Pro Bowl last year breaks out this year, but like he's still a little bit under the radar. Um, in part because one, you had like Sauce Gardner absolutely dominating last year and taking a lot of the spotlight as like the rookie cornerback who broke out. And then it was still on a defense that wasn't all that good. And, you know, as Woolen moves into his second season, that defense improves, uh, maybe that offense improves. And all of a sudden people are paying much more attention to the Seattle Seahawks. You have this big, physical, freakishly athletic cornerback who's just shutting down everybody. Uh, like, I think he could end up being an all pro kind of player this year. So like, I don't want to give too much hype to a guy who was a day three player just a year ago, but I mean, like we could be looking at like the next like Legion of boom type of player in Seattle with this guy. Cause it, like the ceiling is unreal with him, both in terms of his ball productions last year, but then like the physical ability is unreal. 
Yeah, and my, my apologies. He would be he's a compliment to Devin Witherspoon, who they took early in the draft. That's that's what I was getting at. But um, Woolen's a guy that I guess to your I mean that fits the narrative that we're discussing here as far as under the radar. Witherspoon will get a lot of attention from a you know a, a media perspective because of being such a high pick. But your how how is how do Woolen and Witherspoon fit together? Is is that fit your Legion of Boom? potential possibly yeah i mean witherspoon i think he's got that inside outside versatility whereas like woolen is is purely i think like a perimeter cornerback like i wouldn't i don't i don't think he would be so great sticking with like your shifty middle of the field of receivers but uh if there's a team that has a really dominant slot man um you could put witherspoon on him in the slot and he could shut that guy down so yeah i think they're like very complementary pieces to each other and uh, I, I think like if if Witherspoon is as good as everyone thinks he will be or is as good as he should be as the number five pick, then those two guys could be like a devastating corner tandem for years. Love it. OK, Raybon, uh, you're going back to uh, another wide receiver that might be a breakout candidate for 2023. Yeah, and by the way, I love love Friedman's call on Woolen. I think he's one of the best corners in the league already. So yeah, if you don't know who this is, um, he's he's gonna ball out this year. But uh, I got to go with Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver uh, for the Washington Commanders, entering his second year. Uh, you know, this is a guy who a lot of people were kind of surprised when he went uh, as high as he did. He went 16th in the draft last year out of Penn State. But uh, I love his speed. He ran a 4.43 a 40 yard dash and he already has showed a nose for the end zone. But when you look at how he kind of progresses, the year went on uh, over his last five games, he averaged 4.2 catches, 69 yards per game uh, and 0.6 touchdowns per game. And that was up from just 26 yards a game on, on a couple of catches over, you know, his first seven games of his rookie year. So I like how he came on and I like how now we have a, uh, a new offensive coordinator here in Washington who, you know, an Eric Bieniemy, who I think, you know, might open things up a little more. You got Sam Howell that, you know, will throw downfield. And remember, all this production for Dotson came with Terry McLaurin in the lineup. It was not like McLaurin was out in and out of the lineup or anything like that. So um, with the second year leap that guys usually take, I think Dotson's going to kind of establish himself uh, as a, a great complimentary uh, receiver to McLaurin. There's even a chance that Dotson ends up usurping him this year. I mean, he's a higher pick than McLaurin, and I think Terry had a better rookie year, but, you know, those the numbers over the last five games for Dotson were uh, McLaurin-like. So I uh, really think Dotson, and especially because also I don't think Washington's going to be able to run nearly as much as they were, as they did last year. Last year, for some reason, they weren't a really good team, but they were kind of in games d- due to the schedule or whatever not, and they were able to run a ton. This year I think they're going to have to be a little more pass-heavy because I do think they're one of the weaker teams uh, and they play in a pretty tough division uh, in that NFC East. So I'm um, expecting Jahan Dotson to put up uh, numbers more resembling the way he closed the season than the way he opened it. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine they they want to see if they have something in Sam Howell too. Yeah. You, you might as well at, at this point. It's, it's a later round pick. I realize that. But why, if you're going to go back into the draft the following year, see what you got and try to find what you have at that at that position. And like you said, Dotson did come on at the end of last year, had at least six targets in four of those final games, three touchdowns. Uh, a couple against the Giants and one against the San Francisco 49ers. Final breakout candidate. And Friedman's also going to give a couple of uh, quick hitters before we go. Just some quick uh, one-liners on some guys to possibly look out for. Who is your final, uh, who made the, the top five, Friedman? Yeah, I'm looking at left tackle Broderick Jones for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the offensive line used to be great 
for the Steelers. It was like an institution there. And then for a couple of years, it was really bad. And now it's been rebuilt through free agency, a little bit through the draft uh, over the past couple of seasons. And I think it will be markedly better this year. And a big part of that, I think, is Broderick Jones. Uh, you know, enters the league this year. He's a first-round rookie. Uh, in college, he was a five-star recruit, started 19 games at left tackle at Georgia for you know two championship-winning teams. He's got a fantastic athletic profile, you know, massive six foot five, 311 pounds uh, and runs under a five second 40, which, you know, for any guy to do that at that size just speaks to the athleticism that he has. He's a, a little bit raw with his technique, but uh, he feels like the kind of guy who could scale up really quickly just through physical dominance. So I don't think he'll be like rookie year Rashawn Slater, but I think he has the upside to be a top eight left tackle pretty quickly and that could be really important for the running game uh you know they've been inefficient in the running game there and that could also be really big for the development of second year quarterback Kenny Pickett so if the Steelers are able to uh to improve significantly based on what they did last year I think Broderick Jones is going to be a pretty big part of it Pro, pro football focus, so they have their offensive line rankings that came out shortly, uh, right before training camp started. And the, the Steelers have moved up the boards. They're now in the top half of the league, and Jones is a highlight of that. And Raybon, you're actually going to stay with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You've got uh, another skill guy for Pittsburgh that could be poised for a great year if that O-line does its job. Pickett takes the next step at quarterback. Right, and that's George Pickens, you know, second-year receiver uh, for the Steelers and. Listen, an off, the offensive line improvement would be big for a guy like Pickens because he only finished 81 yards behind Deontay Johnson as a rookie uh, in terms of their receiving yardage. And that was on catching you know th- more than 30 fewer balls because he's averaging over 15 yards a catch. Johnson's averaging about 10. So, you know, when if you watch Pickens play, you see the talent, contested catches, things along the sideline, things like that. But I think, you know, Pickett and the, whoever the quarterback would be is, would just need time to get him the ball. And I think they're going to have more of that this year. You know, Pickett going into his second year, there should be a connection there. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another situation where, you know, Deontay's kind of been a, a staple uh, as the receiving leader these last few years for the Steelers. And he had 60, over 60 more targets than Pickett. So, Again, as these uh, guys go to first to second year, they usually figure out how to get open more. They're better off the line. They're just dating, know the playbook better, so they're playing faster. So I think Pickens is going to be able to com- command a larger share of the targets per route that he runs. Uh, and so I think I would not be surprised at all if you see Pickens uh, overtake Johnson in at least yardage as soon as this year. And I think he's the better playmaker. I think he's the better guy when you're in the red zone, as as we've seen last, so last year with Deontay scoring no touchdowns. Uh, and I think he's the better guy deep down the field. So, um, you know, any improvement from Pickett, any improvement from that O-line, I think just helps a guy who already had a pretty solid uh, rookie season in George Pickens with uh, 52, 801, and, and four scores. And he has been opening eyes with some of his highlight reel catches uh, during camp. Uh, so Pickens, the upside is certainly there as a, a high-end pick, and we know how they churn out receivers in Pittsburgh. They do a pretty good job of that over the years. Uh, you each have a couple more that you want to give out, just some quick hitters, and then we'll we'll get out of here. So, Friedman, you got a couple more you'd like to give out. Yeah, so one is Chiefs rookie wide receiver Rasheed Rice, a second-round guy. He's got decent size, uh, good enough athleticism, was productive in college. Uh, you know, like uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who he's, I think, kind of replacing. He can play inside. He can play outside. I'm kind of skeptical about a lot of the other wide receivers that they have in Kansas City. So I, I think sooner rather than later, he's going to get a shot to produce. Uh, and then Bill's wide 
wide receiver Gabe Davis, who like it feels like people have been hyping forever now. And so he's sort of like in a post hype bounce back scenario. But, you know, he plays almost every snap. He's a perimeter field stretcher. He's attached to a a really great quarterback. Uh, He's been productive through his career and he's still young. He's still just 24 years old. So I think he has untapped potential. And then one more here, Broncos number two quarterback, Jared Stidham. This is essentially a bet that Russell Wilson is washed and that uh, head coach Sean Payton eventually turns to Siddham, who played well in relief last year, Derek Carr, and that Payton, uh, you know, we've seen him be productive with other quarterbacks besides Drew Brees. Uh, maybe he can also make Jared Siddham look pretty good. So, uh, it, it, like, it just it wouldn't surprise me if, like, at the end of the year, Siddham gets, like, five starts, and it's like, oh, hey, wait a minute. that Like, that guy went four and one and actually looked like a legit NFL quarterback. Well, okay. Well, if that's the case, though, who knows how the Broncos look um, offensively throughout the course of the year if they have to go to Stidham uh, in that case. And I like the call on Gabe Davis. A lot of mysterious, murky stuff going on with Steph Diggs. Maybe it's Davis's turn to uh, emerge. And he already and he had games last year. Where he was excellent, no question. Uh, but more consistency, I think, is what you're getting at. Uh, Raybon, got a couple more before we go. Breakout candidates. Yeah, and we'll stay on the Bills. So I think one of the reasons that we have heard those kind of things from Stephon Diggs is because the Bills, um, you know, when he got to camp, he found out that the Bills were trying to run a lot more two tight end sets this year. Um, And that's because they want to make the defense kind of decide whether to keep a a third corner on the field or an extra linebacker. And if you have a third corner on the field, then they're, they're going to run at you. If they, if you have an extra linebacker, then Dalton Kincaid, who I think could break out this year, usually tight ends, they don't do much their rookie year, but uh, I think they're going to kind of treat Kincaid almost like a, a slot receiver, uh, almost like what they've been missing since uh, Cole Beasley hasn't, you know, yeah really been there so uh, I think Kincaid's going to be on the field a lot he may even run more routes than a guy like Dawson Knox who's still going to be there for his blocking but um, I think they're going to use Kincaid as a real weapon uh, red zone things like that so I I think you're going to see a lot of him uh, right off the bat in year one Uh, another tight end who the hype train has like is dying with uh, him, but I still think he's very talented and could still surprise people. And that's Chigakonkwo in, in Tennessee. You know, I, I know Vrabel had the quotes about his blocking, but uh, I also know that, you know, Tennessee, when you look at their depth chart at tight end, there's not really much there. And they have talked about, you know, they, they don't want to have to bring a bunch of different guys in and off the field this year. So I think they're going to kind of fight through it with him, with Okonkwo, because he has so much talent as a receiver. Um, he was targeted on over, uh, 25% of his routes as a rookie. He was one of the most explosive tight ends in terms of yards after the catch, you know, yards per catch, all of those things. So I think he's going to get, I think he's going to get a chance to shine. He's not, he's always going to be single covered because now you got Hopkins um, in addition to Burks who um, also might be in for a little bit of a mini breakout. And the final one is more of like a shot in the dark, long shot, but uh, Jalen Naylor, I think is really interesting on Minnesota because everyone's going to um, kind of assume that, you know, it's going to be Addison is that third guy or KJ Osborne. But Nanwer has been a guy that, you know, he's been flashing some things since he's gotten to Minnesota. And he was targeted on over 30% of his routes in in, in a small sample last year. I think it was 13 of his 31 uh, pass routes. And, uh, you know, he's been kind of lighting up camp and running with the ones a lot in camp. So, you know, if, if anything happens with Addison or, you know, they, they decide Osborne is just kind of a replacement level talent, uh, I think Nanwer could uh, you know, end up in that starting lineup for Minnesota. And, we, you know, we saw how many pass attempts they had to go around last year. I think they were third in the league in pass attempts. So he's kind of an under-the-radar guy, similar to K.J. Osborne a couple years ago when you're like, okay, somebody's going to have to catch the ball for Minnesota besides 
you know, Jefferson and at that time it was Steven. So um, I think Naylor is a guy that I'm kind of, I have, I'm watching, I think could, uh, could put up a lot better numbers than people think. Someone's got to fill that Adam Thielen void uh, this coming year for the Minnesota Vikings. Maybe it is by committee under uh, Kevin O'Connell running that offense with Kirk Cousins. Chris Raybon, great work as always. You can catch Raybon here on the Action Network podcast throughout the course of the season. And thank you very much to uh, Matthew Friedman, our Action Network alum. He's a friend of the pod and our NFL expert over at Fantasy Life. Matthew Friedman, thanks for coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really fun to talk. Okay, and that concludes our NFL Breakout Candidates episode here on the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. My name is Brendan Glasheen. Thank you all for tuning in. We look forward to having more NFL content as the season nears here on the Action Network podcast. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.